Since 1971, Beautio Books has specialized in ornithology and natural history. They're a small, family-owned and operated mail-order bookstore with the largest selection of new, used, and rare birding and ornithology books in the world and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Find field guides, travel guides, ornithology, natural history, humor, even children's books to inspire the next generation's love of nature. Visit beautyobooks.com to find everything you're looking for and ABA members receive 10% off. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I am Nate Swick and I have a correction to make. Last week, I stated that I was feeling under the weather and vociferously denied that it had been COVID. And at the time of the recording, that is legitimately what I thought. I had taken two rapid tests. Both were negative. But the very next day, literally like 24 hours after I recorded that, um, that statement, I was, I was positive. And in the throes of what became a pretty crummy few days but I'm happy to announce that I've come through. I have a lingering cough that I can manage. That is currently the worst of it. I think, I think I will still be at the biggest week next week with the ABA team. And we have some very exciting announcements coming during that week. We will be revealing our new executive director for the ABA. That person will be on site making some short remarks on Tuesday evening. If you will not be with us on site, you can catch all of it on our social feeds. We will be streaming it live because it is such a big deal for the organization. So that will be cool. And no doubt we'll have an interview with them in the not too distant future. Uh, I feel like I need to go to the biggest tweak in part because this illness has taken me out of commission for the biggest migration week, at least here locally. I've been missing a lot of birds, and that is frustrating. Uh, I've made it two years without COVID, only to get it during the worst part of the year for a birder. If only I had caught it in March. Anyway, we, we are also ramping up our mid-year appeal, the nesting season appeal. I won't go too much into it, but if you want to throw us a few extra bucks to help support the ABA's Young Birder programs, you can do so at aba.org slash gift. Anyway, on to the show this week. Uh, we will welcome our old friend Nick Lund, the birdist himself. He is the author of two books out last month, The ABA Guide to the Birds of Maine and The Ultimate Biography of Earth. We're going to talk about that and, ah, you know, Nick, whatever else comes up. All that after this week's Rare Birds. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the end of April, first part of May 2022. Spring means migrants and vagrants, as the same forces driving birds northward frequently cause birds to show up in unexpected places. That certainly happened in Ontario this week, where a marsh sandpiper, essentially the old world equivalent of our yellow legs, showed up in Thedford, which is just east of the Michigan border. This is not only a provincial first record, but a first for Canada and a first for the eastern half of the continent. All previous ABA area records come from Alaska and California, with an additional record from the Mexican state of Baja California Norte. But that is not all. In Arkansas, a Lewis's woodpecker in Pope County was probably the first record, although there is a little-known one from the late 60s. I don't know exactly how to characterize that one. Uh, there were no photos, obviously, but this one was photographed and, and should be good. In a similar sort of category, a photographed white-tipped dove in Cochise County, specifically Shelight Canyon on Fort Huachuca, 
is the first documented record for that state as well, though there have been, over the years, a couple decent site records and several records within 50 miles of the border. That's all I've got this week. For the full accounting, check out the ABA Rare Bird Alert on Fridays at aba.org slash rba. You can also follow along with all the Rare Bird news in our ABA Rare Bird Alert group on Facebook. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you know Nick Lund, our friend, the birdist. He's a regular on This Month in Birding, and those episodes are always a lot of fun. April 2022 has been a big month for Nick. He has released not only his first book, but his first two books. He's the author of the ABA Guide to the Birds of Maine, where he lives, and the new The Ultimate Biography of Earth, a geological and biological journey for the Big Bang to today, aimed at school kids, but you know, appropriate for anyone who loves fun science and cool illustrations. He's with me to chat about all that. Nick, how are you doing? It's great to talk to you. Thank you, Nate. I'm doing great. Qu- quick question. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have been better. Uh, I will say that, uh, and, and what Nick is alluding to, and hmm. perhaps podcast listeners might know, uh, I said uh, prematurely in a previous episode that oh, uh, I was had some illness uh, that was not COVID. Well, guess what? It turned out to actually be COVID. And uh, this is, <laughs> Nick, you are my first uh, COVID interview. Thank God that we are isolated and that COVID cannot travel through the uh, internet, though, this thank new goodness. Omicron variant. Who, who knows? I'm truly I'm honored. <laughs> I'm truly honored that you have uh, uh, filled yourself with medicines and <laughs> have taken the time to interview me in the state. And you look great through the uh, vodka. Hey, you, you should you have seen me a couple me. days ago. Yeah. But man, oh man, I wish you uh, the, the greatest of health. And uh, man, two years, you dodged all the bullets I like know, you're right? in the Matrix. And now one just hits you in the foot on the way right, out. Right up the nose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right up the nose. Yeah, so it goes. Um, I, I am. I'm glad to have gotten the vaccine weakened version of the uh, yes. of the illness and not the full blown one. So fingers crossed that I'll be on the men soon. But hey, I'm still. I, I can't. I have to take the opportunity to talk to you when you can. I know sure. you're heading out. You're going Appreciate to it. going to Mississippi yeah, tomorrow. To Miss- well, which when this episode airs will be in the past, but in the it's in the future with our conversation now. That's true. Um, Listeners yeah. can retroactively wish me well. <laughs> we I, I work with a, a group down there called the uh, Delta Windbirds, which mm-hmm. works to protect shorebird habitat in the Mississippi Delta. And one of the fundraisers they do each year is to try to break the Mississippi Big Day record. Every year uh, they try to do this? Uh, well, they haven't done the last couple because well, uh, okay, obviously, um, you may yeah. have heard of this thing that's yeah, plaguing uh, you currently. Me, right? Um, and I tried to break it in 2017 unsuccessfully. Um, the team... Uh, broke the record uh, a couple years ago, and now we're trying to trying again. So, just the best, just the best. I love Mississippi. I love being down on the Gulf. We're just gonna rock around, try to find 170 birds. Um, That's pretty good. So pretty good day. W- we're gonna have some fun. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your books. Two books in one month. Yeah. That's man. uh, it's kind of nuts. <laughs> it was a busy pandemic. You know, it was good. I I wrote these. <laughs> we all during, got things done. <laughs> you know, the ultimate biography of Earth. I it was really March fifteenth. I started writing it right when I was in quarantine. Wow. So it was really it's yeah. like, well, I got literally nothing else to do but uh, <laughs> figure out. You know, the world is collapsing around me. So yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm truly grateful that y'all asked me to write the uh, field guide of the birds of Maine yes. for your ABA series. I've I've admired the series for a long time. It's beautiful. Um, Brian Small's photography is just you know it's jumps off the page exceptional it, yeah it, it really sort of writes itself um and you know I, I, i'm a lifelong mainer you know you don't need to be from maine to be a mainer but i'm from here 
I have a lot of main pride. I have a you know main tattoo on my I, body for it. 15 yes. years. You've seen it? Hmm. It's on your arm, right? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to think of when we were shirtless together. But, uh, <laughs> I think you showed it off when we were in Newfoundland. Right? <laughs> oh, that Actually. sounds about right. Um, and so, you know, to be able to write a guide to the birds in Maine, uh, just, you know, a dream come true. Really, yeah. I love the state so much. I love birding here so much. Um, there, there hasn't been a, a state-specific guide in, mm-hmm. in over twenty years, um, and this one has, you know, a hundred plus more species um, than that guide. So, I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled to see it finally out, and uh, I'm thrilled yeah. to talk about birding in Maine. Yeah, for sure. You know, I have I have the experience of writing a book in this uh, series as well, so I, I definitely know all, all the work that goes into it. Uh, the, not just the research, but the actual writing. It's actually kind of fun, yeah. to like dig in to the to the to the birds of this area that you care about so much. I th- for me, it made me think about them in a way that I maybe hadn't before as just like a regular birder. Yeah, totally. Uh, especially exciting was the the sounds. You know, mm-hmm. the, the trying to come up with mnemonics for everything yeah, and, and come up <laughs> and actually trying to quantify like, oh yeah, what? How would you write that down? Right. You know and it's always sort of a joke in, in, uh, in birding a little bit when you look at, you know, bird sounds on the page and it's like, you know, a sharp metallic tick, 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 tick. It's like, that's not, <laughs> what does that even mean? It's hard yeah. to translate. But then when you are faced with doing it, you're like, oh yeah, what, uh, <laughs> what choice do I have here? Right. So, yeah. It, it uh, suggests the need for some sort of, we have these, this terminology for how birds look. Mm. But we've never really developed like a common terminology for how birds sound. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I know some people have tried, uh, but it's it's hard. It's hard to make that. I don't know why it is because like, maybe people hear things differently or they focus yeah. on things differently. I, I I don't know. I it's it's a mystery to me. Yeah, certainly you sort of you know you you become like a wine critic where you try to <laughs> you know expand your mental thesaurus towards sounds in a way that you just don't right normally. You know, sounds yeah. wood thrush has like an earthy robustness, uh, <laughs> yeah, hints of chocolate. Right. Yeah, no, here <laughs> really, and and there is that the, the, you know there are those words that apply, but it's just not something you think about that much when you when you listen right. to something you just you just hear it as it is. You don't think of the words necessarily to describe it. Maybe if you're a you know, a music critic or something. Yeah. Um, but I am certainly not. And so it was a real challenge. I think a fun challenge uh, mm-hmm. to do that. And, and I think, um, you know, I think some of that came through. Actually, I asked some of my friends up here for help with that. Mm-hmm. My friend, Mike Tucker, uh, member for the Veery, he said, just write that. It, it sounds like the sound of a video game character dying. Which I thought was an awesome description. And that yeah. that made it in. Yeah, that, it was really fun. It was really fun to do for sure. Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about Maine birding, just in general. Like, what makes Maine so special for a birder? Yeah, it's it's a really exciting place to bird. We have a ton of territory up here, and not a ton of people. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, unlike a lot of other places on the East Coast, there is just a ton of underexplored territory up here. I think, and that goes for our many 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 miles of coastline we have this extremely jagged coastline with all these inlets yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and famously where uh stellar sea eagles like to hide and was hiding for for who knows how long before it was discovered <laughs> right. down there and frankly was in a was in a pretty pop you know populated area um if it had been further down east as we say up up the coast um it, it could have gone undetected for much longer mm-hmm all main birders know in the back of our minds that there are a ton of birds that show up here that yeah. just don't get found because there are so many 
islands and isolated peninsulas and and going the other way inland so much forest that uh just doesn't have folks to to bird in it um and so you know maine is at at one on the one hand very accessible uh close to population centers get great you know it's easy to get around but there's just a lot of territory uh to cover and a lot of birds to find there how do you approach birding maine like you probably go out every year with a certain like you want to touch base with certain birds every every year um how do you how do you approach that what birds are really special and what experiences are really special yeah i'm in i'm in southern maine here i you know from a birding mindset i basically divide maine into three areas mm-hmm. southern maine which is sort of has that classic eastern forest that you'd find you know throughout the eastern seaboard the coast of maine and the islands off the coast of maine uh, which are famous for of course you know puffins mm-hmm. and um, alcids and and breeding seabirds um those are great they take some effort really and if you want to see puffins reliably you need to you know get on a boat in the summer and head out to eastern egg rock or any of those places um you know, and so that's because it takes a little bit of effort, not something you can just sort of do in an afternoon. That's a special time. Um, and I love doing that. I love, especially because you get, you get friends together, you get folks together and you head out on the boat. And um, for anyone who hasn't done that before or seen a seabird colony or gone to, you know, a puffin colony, it's such an experience. It's such an experience. I love it mm-hmm. because you're out there in the water and things are kind of quiet. You'll see maybe a couple of birds, a couple of strings of birds going by. And all of a sudden in the distance, you see this island and it's just like a, like a whirlwind. It's like a city of birds coming and going and squawking. And the closer you get, the louder it gets and the crazier it gets. And um, there's nothing like going out there. And so that's seeing, uh, you know, a a puffin colony um, or any of Maine seabird nesting islands is, is a sort of special treat um, that makes Maine birding really special. I think uh, the smell is also kind of an underappreciated <laughs> aspect yeah. of birding a seabird colony. <laughs> Underrated. There, Underrated. You know, pelagic trips have a lot of uh, uh, olfactory issues happening <laughs> out there uh, in a number, for a number of ways. And so it's a, it's a memorable trip no matter what happens. Yeah. As a born and raised Mainer, you know, that definitely helps when you're, you're writing a book like this. Um, do you think having that sort of deep interest and in, in passion uh, helped you, you know, portray the state as this sort of ideal uh, birding destination. Yeah, you know, I think so. Um, it, I, I think, especially when it comes to sort of the third uh, part of Maine, which is inland mm-hmm. Maine and northern Maine, I think for a lot of non-Mainers, the first thing that jumps to mind is the coastal Maine. You know, for you sure. think of lobsters, you think of, you know, uh, puffins probably. Um, but that's really just a sliver of, of what we have to offer. Yeah. And and, the, and uh, from a from a you know geographic standpoint, and also from just a, a bird standpoint, it's it's northern Maine really is is uh, you know what Maine Audubon calls the baby bird factory. You know it's our mm-hmm. bore, boreal bird uh, nesting grounds, um, tons of areas of forests and streams and lakes, and really um, not visited in the way that it it needs to be. It should be. It yeah, to there's be. a lot of places like that, but you know Maine is sort of special in that way because as you say, it's it's relatively lightly populated, um, and that. I don't know that boreal part. It's crazy. I, it's it, yeah. There's so much there. So much potential <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, so much there, and it really is an experience. Like I don't know. I mean, there are areas you can go where you don't see anybody all day, and there are lakes you can go to that have no cabins on them, and and mm-hmm. it's it's the type of sort of um, you know wilderness experience, for lack of a better word, that is yeah. you know, harder and harder to come by. Quite frankly, yeah. 
uh, Maine still has that in spades um, when you know where to look. Um, all, all accessible and, and then within a couple hours of, of civilization. But that takes some some selling still. And sort yeah. of the, the Mainer in me who grew up um, in places like Rangeley and, and Baxter and, and um, you know, some, some you know, private you know, places we have up there. Um, that's the part I really want to get across more and more because that's mm-hmm. a place that Maine has to offer that um, not a lot of other states do really, especially on the Eastern seaboard. Um, and so uh, that, I mean, th- that is my goal in this book. You know, we put a, put a loon on the cover yeah. instead of a puffin because we really wanted to make it make, uh, you know, remind people that Maine is, is more than just puffins. It's this whole, um, you know, forested North as well. Yeah. Do, do you have any really great birding experiences in Maine? That, um, that you've had by yourself or with friends? I mean, a hundred million zillion, <laughs> right, friend, yeah, honestly. Fair <laughs> you know, um, some of my favorites, the, the first time I ever saw Bicknell's thrush, you know, mm, we have mm-hmm. a, a, a pretty good population of Bicknell's thrush up there. Me and my buddy, uh, Doug Hitchcock, the famous Maine birder, drove up. Yeah, he yeah. was like, he was like 19. I was like 22 or something. Um, we, we slept overnight, cramped in the parking lot of Saddleback Resort, this ski mountain up there, and then hiked the mountain before dawn and got up there and there were, you know, big nails and just a gorgeous scene unfolding for you. Um, you know, the stellar sea eagle chase, uh, seeing that was incredible. It yeah. showed up at like the most classic main place you ever could find. Lobster you know, I've, boats, like lobstermen, like yeah. pulling in. <laughs> it was like, it was so stereotypically main. Central casting lobstermen <laughs> yes, showing up with their sure. boats. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, and there, there is really so much of that. When you explore the state, it's a, it's a really sort of, um, genuine place, uh, with a lot of those type experiences. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I birded, uh, you know, from York County in the extreme South, Fort, Fo- Fort, uh, uh, Fort Foster in the extreme South to, to Arista County in the far North to Washington County. Um, I, I saw my 700th ABA species in Washington County, um, you know, uh, pretty much as far East as you can get in the entire country a couple of weeks ago. Um, birding this state, uh, it, you know, it's endless surprises and I, and I, I really love it. You know, these books are sort of famously, I don't know, incomplete. Uh, they're sort of aimed at novices or, or moderate birders who may not know the ins and outs of finding birds in a given place. Um, how do you hope people use it? It's a good question. You know, this is a guide for folks who, um, we can talk about this candidly. You know, this is not a guide for experts. Sure. Really. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you how, how I sort of approached it. And yeah. it, it gets to an interesting question that I have for you, um, which is like, what bird did you, where was the line? I know, where, and I'm actually going to pull that in, up What right bird now. you leave it out? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember which one it was for me. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I did the Carolinas one. And my hope was that people would use it to, you know, explore some of those parts of the states that they, that they might not otherwise. You know, the Carolinas have some very well-known birding sites. And, and I really want people to to get out and sort of see some of the, the other places where you might find uh, different birds. Um, and also, you know, I, sometimes I feel like the birding community has this, and I don't think it's intentional, but sometimes it feels like some of this is like secret knowledge, you know, that only certain mm. people have to know where to find certain birds in certain places. And I don't think, as I said, I don't think that's an intentional. I just think that sort of, you know, people don't necessarily think that maybe someone's looking to find a blue grosbeak or um or a gray cheeked thrush or whatever specifically and to give people that information what to look for how to find it was you know very satisfying uh as a as a writer and that's how i kind of hope people would end up 
using it. Like I knew that there's a lot of really skilled birders who already have that information and maybe don't necessarily need it. But you know, maybe maybe they learn about some different places that they they haven't been able to explore before, and and definitely, you know, they get something out of it too. That's sort of how I approached it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. You know, I, uh, it, it's a fine line between making something accessible to beginners, but also comprehensive enough to exactly. let people know. No, you know, a totally lot of agree. yeah. I think often state guides tend to be t- too light um, mm-hmm. and not sort of express the real breadth of bird life to be found. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to make it uh, clear that, you know, I wasn't going to exclude seabirds or I wasn't mm-hmm. going to exclude birds that were a little trickier to find um, because number one, people see those whether you're an expert or not. And number two, they're part of Maine's, you know, bird life. Yeah. Um, and so, um, this, this book, it's got 265 species, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is, that's, a, that's a pretty solid amount. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought of it like what birds would people see in a regular year if they worked at it? And so yes. that's how I approached it. Yeah. Yes. And this isn't, this isn't backyard, you know, it's right. not like it's a little bit more than the, yeah. the gimmies. I mean, it's got those of course, but, but, um, it's a good sort of expression of, of what we've got. Yeah. So my question for you is what was the last bird in and the first bird out? Yeah. Um, and I, I actually remember my last bird in because it was for a very long time, my first bird out. Uh, and then we needed like a, a, a place filler. We like we needed another bird for a page. And I was like, all right, we'll, we'll put this one in there. And it was Baird Sandpiper, which is sort of oh. uncommon. Uh, you can run into it in a given year, but it's, you, you do have to work for it and have a little bit of luck, but it made it in the book. And I had thought about leaving it out. And I can't remember the first bird out. Now it's been several years since I wrote it. I dang, I wish I had this. Cause I had a spreadsheet and I'm, I know, right? I may need to I cut know. this all out, but I changed a spreadsheet all around. Um, because I, you know, I, I use it as I was writing, but I had a mm-hmm. big discussion with my friends about what, what, what it should be. Yeah. Um, right. And I, I remember, I think Corey's Shearwater was right. the oh, yeah, last one, one in. I yeah. know it's in the book. I think Corey's was in, and I don't, I can't remember what the last one. It might be Blue Grosbeak. I, what I did yeah. was I, I, um, uh, you know, George uh, Scott, who you know is the publisher behind these books, said, you know, he said, uh, gave me a target, and you can't do uh, five hundred. Um, right, and it has yeah. to be sort of somewhere in there. And so I, I went to Ebert and I and I uh, got a list of basically birds um, mm, um, seen by likelihood. And yeah. I went down until it felt yeah, till it felt right. And I discussed with some friends, and we went back and forth. And um, I think Corey Shearwater was in, and I think Grosbeak was the last one out. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. That. You can see Corey Shearwater from shore, or if you go out on the uh, those puffin trips, I'm sure you probably run into him. Yeah. Or even whale watches out of Portland. Nice. um, Yeah. Yeah. I had to throw all the, um, all the pelagics together despite North Carolina being a great pelagic destination. Um, they're not commonly seen from shore. And so I just put like, Hey, pelagic species are available. And sometimes you can see them from shore if they're, the winds are right. And I gave some photos. Yeah. It it was maybe a cop out, but it was, um, (laughs) <laughs> it got him in there and acknowledged that there's the destination and that you can see more. I, I hope that people were like, oh, well, that's interesting. I can learn more. And then there you go. I don't know to go with Brian or something. Brian Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, and we didn't include, <laughs> we don't have stellar sea eagle in here. Although oh, God, just know, missed the it's cut, probably, yeah. it probably upended all the charts of what's, you know, oh, seen in Maine. You know, it's yeah. Tipped everything over. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about your other book just because I've got you here. How did the ultimate biography of the earth come about? Yeah, I don't know. I, my uh, my agent sent around a uh, uh, 
a sort of pitch from Workman Publishing, the, this great uh, publishing company that does a lot of kids' books and a lot of different books. Mm-hmm. And uh, I submitted for it. And they said, you know, y- you sound like someone with the vocabulary of uh, a middle, middle-aged middle <laughs> person. Why don't you the go ahead? The sensibilities of the average <laughs> yeah. sixth grader. <laughs> <laughs> You're perfect. Yeah. And so I said, sweet. I said, great. And, um, and, and you know, what an opportunity. It's, it's so amazing. This, this book, The Ultimate Biography of Earth, is a... Uh, it's sort of a first-person account of the, the entire Earth's history from mm-hmm. uh, the formation of the Earth up through present day. Um, it's told in this really fun um, format where this biographer is interviewing Earth um, to get his life story. Um, it's illustrated by uh, a UK illustrator, Jason Ford, who's uh, just these fantastic, bright, really cool um, images. colorful images. Yeah. Um, and it's great, man. It's I learned so much doing this. It was a, a, a lot of, you know, sitting in here and, and learning about a lot of stuff that I didn't know before and figuring out how to figure out how to put it in a way that uh, would be uh, interesting to, to kids. It's been um, it, it's uh, I've absolutely loved it. And I uh, it's opened my world to um, a lot more. You know, I'm a bird focused guy. I was just going to ask, like, did your interest in birds skew the way you looked at the uh at the history of no, Earth. birds, I mean, they came around, I don't know, what, I know. 200 and some million years ago, but right. Uh, well, which is a long time, but, but a tiny sliver, tiny sliver of Earth's yeah. history. And, yeah. um, it, it didn't because I, you know, if I was going to shoehorn birds into, you know, the, the, you know, carboniferous period, I would get in trouble. Um, <laughs> but, but it really gave me, I mean, it gave me an appreciation for birds in the sense that it gave me a huge appreciation for just for life, for, for yeah. the pathway that life has taken to go from, to go from nothing. First of all, to go from nothing to life, uh, is, that's a, that's is, a step, that's quite a step, <laughs> step man. And, you know, scientists don't exactly know what happened. It's just sort yeah. of, uh, it was not there and then there at one point. And that, and, and to think about the, incredibly long uh journey life has taken from that moment or however that happened to today into all the permutations it's taken into all the things life has survived all the the crap that the the earth has under you know has has happened um is just the most fast i mean it's i i still think about it every day you know yeah um What's in this was book? there a was there a period of Earth's history that you really had to learn a lot about before you could write about it? Because I, you know, I I I know a little bit about a lot of that stuff, yeah. but I don't know like enough maybe to write something about it. Uh, honestly, all of them. Uh, honestly, <laughs> uh, truly, because yeah. um, because just figuring out what was important, figuring out what you want mm-hmm. kids to know about each and every period, uh, and figuring out sort of like. Um, how things connected really because it's yeah f- you know yeah. F- for kids and maybe for anybody you know it's drawing the connections that you can to modern day to animals that they know and to, mm-hmm. to species they know and so when you're starting uh way back and talking about arthropods coming out of the water or fish yeah you know living on the water or developing backbones or whatever um you know keeping that connection to, to thing and so you have to really deliberately sort of build that from the earliest stages in in uh in through modern day did working on the uh, field guide to the birds of Maine help prepare you for the biography of the? Well, Earth? I did the other one first. Biography. Oh wow! All right, so which, yeah. switch the question around. Yeah, um, I don't think so. It was they're very different. The uh, you know mm-hmm. the biography I for wrote sure. in in 2020, um, and that's because there's so much art in the book yeah, that you know yeah, needs yeah. to be drawn based on the text. Whereas 
Brian's photo- photographs were, you know, mostly right there. taken already. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's pretty easy to put together. Um, so uh, that was written in, you know, I started in March 2020, and um, they're so different um, that it was it was a really nice change of pace. Actually, you know, mm-hmm. a field guy writing. It, it gets it's it's not mechanical but it sort of gets there's a get repetitiveness to, a to it yeah because yeah. you uh, you have beats that you need to hit and you yeah. figure out where the bird you know can be found every every uh every species account starts with this colorful yeah. adjective <laughs> yeah noun <laughs> is found in the choose part of the state <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it's uh, common slash rare slash uncommon yeah, yeah. you know which which is funny because when you read a field guide, you don't read it. You don't open to pay, you know, open no. to bird no. one and start flipping through. It's not like yeah. a narrative. Um, and I should say for the field guide, the field guide, I was also um, helped a lot. There was a book published in 2019, 2020, mm-hmm. um, uh, posthumously by, by Peter Vickery, the uh, birds of Maine, it's called this fantastic, huge um, tome about every bird that's ever shown up in Maine and mm-hmm. all about it. Um, that bird was that book was an incredible resource for me. Yeah. I was so lucky to to have that. Um, um, for the ultimate guide to Earth, I was I was uh, sort of on my own. There's tons mm-hmm. of resources out there, of course, but um, I was set adrift. You know, every night learning about like what are what are magnets? You know, opening. How do they work? Yeah, <laughs> what's up with this planet? <laughs> and so there was a lot of just like holy moly, just um, just scrambling around. Um, but it was fun. It, I, the ultimate was so much fun because you had literally the whole world to choose from. So I could mm-hmm. pull in, you know, obviously things that were interesting, but things that were funny and things that were yeah. uh, weird and and things like that. And so it, it ends up being a really good kids book, I think. Yeah. Nick Lund, the ABA Guide to Birds of Maine and the Ultimate Biography of Earth. Those links to both of them in the show notes. Please check them out. You know, you know, Nick, you know that anything he writes is going to be a lot of fun and informative. Nick, congratulations on the books. And Thank you. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you around next time and talk about something other than, uh, than your projects. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Feel better, my friend. Thank you. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Take care. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. If you enjoy this podcast, you can support it by supporting the ABA with your membership. There are a lot of benefits like our magazines. You get discounts to our partners and opportunities to travel with us, among other things. You can get information and learn more at aba.org slash join. Special shout outs to this week to Rajshri Batar of St. Louis, Missouri, Connor Kassara of Islip, New York, Stephen Greenwood of New Brunswick, New Jersey, Lynn Patra of Redding, California, and Lydia Maxwell of Fort Wayne, Indiana, who even sends along a joke. What does a red-winged blackbird open mic sound like? Check, 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 check. It's good. I enjoyed that one. But all of these folks, jokes aside, all of these folks joined the ABA. Note of the podcast as a reason for doing so. Thank you so much. Welcome to the ABA. Technical production is by John Lowry, who, when hearing of my diagnosis, thought that I had found a cool Corvid YouTube clip. You know, the Crovid. Additional help comes from David Hartley and Greg Neese, who were disappointed to hear that I was ill instead of advocating for the long-awaited warbling vario split. Um, I would have done both, actually. You can find us online at ABA.org and on social media most everywhere as American Birding Association, but on Twitter as ABA. It has been difficult sitting at home Watching my needs alerts fill up over the last week with my fellow county birders turning up migrants, local rarities with some regularity. I believe that is what researchers mean when they talk about the coronavirus spite protein. Questions, comments can come to podcast.aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy, please.
Not like me. Till next week. <laughs>